0: Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this evening and this time of uh, Lord, to, time to meditate your word, to learn from your word, O oh Lord. Lord, reveal thyself and open our eyes to see the secrets and wonders in your word, O oh Lord. And bless us with this time and to have meaningful conversation, the questions and the answers. Let the spirit of the Lord guide us and govern this uh, gathering, O oh Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay. Okay. Um, Last week we finished Numbers. And now for... I'm hoping to finish Deuteronomy in 30 minutes. And then we'll have uh, time of questions and answers. Like whatever your questions from Pentateuch you can ask. And if not, then later we can ask any other questions from the Bible. If any difficult uh, passages or the passages that you want to know a little more in deeper, you can ask. Um, Hope you have uh, the notes with you. I'll be today reading the notes, uh, the Deuteronomy, whatever I sent to you. Okay. Are you familiar with uh, the geographical location where Israel is now? In the sense now, in the sense not, I mean, but when the numbers, Leviticus numbers happened. They were at the Foot of Mount Sinai. Okay, here, suppose you keep this one. This part is Mount Sinai. This side is Egypt, and down so down you have Babylon. Little upper hand, if you go, that's Assyria. And and here on top of it, you have uh, Tyre and other uh, lands or countries that you will read about in the historical books they just they were delivered from egypt and two years they stayed at mount sinai where they received covenant and commandment from god uh, 10 commandments all laws you know and we we saw last week the laws were the just reflection of who god is okay so when we see new testament we will see why paul say that law kills And spirit gives life. We will see why he said that. In what meaning. When he said what he meant to the uh, congregation. So now the law is just a reflection of God. Who God is. Also when we follow the law. We clothe God's nature. God's likeness. Understanding that Paul says. If anyone is in Christ. He throw away the old self. And wear the new self. What does he mean? When we do whatever the Lord says, when we obey the Lord's commandment, whatever Jesus said, when we follow his teaching, we reflect his nature. We reflect God, who God, we express who God is. Or we resemble his love, his kindness, his holiness. You get my point? The same scenario should be applied when it comes law and Israel. So for Israel, law was gift from God, to live a blessed life, okay, to live a blessed life or, or the, the life that intended by God for them and to be happy, to enjoy the fruitfulness of the land, to enjoy the blessing of the land. And again, don't be offended by saying that I'm taking example from my context. The other day Rachel was asking why are you always talking about India and other culture. People may think wrong. I said, I am from India, I know only that culture. <laughs> so I can only talk, I understand this from my culture. So when I say about my culture and, uh, and the way I understand how relevant it is to us, it will also help people. They, it will be able to be, relate to their culture and their you know, life events or history, traditional values. Hindus, one of the main doctrines of Hindu is karma. You know, you, you might be seeing a lot of videos in YouTube, karma. Uh, what is the doctrine of karma? Is if you do bad, bad thing will happen to you. And if you do good, good thing will happen to you. When God says, when you do good, when you do obey all my commandments, you will be blessed, all good things. When you break my commandments or disobey all bad things, it doesn't it's not the doctrine of karma here. Karma happens, your action decides. What should happen to you? If I am being good, everything happens to me good based on my action. But here is God who causes this. God who caused this blessing. And the curse that you bring on yourself. You get my point? The difference? If you honor God, He will honor you. If you dishonor, you will be dishonored. Okay? So, So understand that. When we fulfill law, when we obey law and we receive blessings from God. And numbers when we saw, so, so this is the, when it comes to law, let us understand that law is gift from God. It is not something that negative or it's not something that uh, um, uh, taking away freedom from people. How the life of Adam and Eve portrayed in Garden of Eden. God said, do everything is given to you. But not do not eat fruit of only fruit from that uh, tree. So doesn't God did not take away his freedom? He just God, he warned him not to do so that you will lose something precious. Okay, just like that, God gives here another boundary. It's a bigger boundary. Live within this boundary. You do what I say, and you don't do what I say not to do, so that you will live happily within that boundary. We all have rules and regulations in our country, in our place, community, or wherever we live. Even if in the church, we have some rules and regulations to follow. As long as we follow that, we enjoy the blessing of wherever we are. Okay. When we break the rules, then we bring trouble on ourselves. Let's understand huh, this scenario like this. So, when people, and again, what another thing we should keep in mind when it comes to law and Israel. God, it, it also reveals God's love for Israel. Who are Israel? They are just redeemed from house of slavery at the foot of Mount Sinai. And God adopts them as, or, not, or maybe chose them as his royal priesthood. One who goes around as maybe his ambassadors. One who goes to the nation and other nations to model how the nation should be. You know, to express Yahweh. Who is Yahweh? Yahweh will be revealed through them. So their actions, their words, their lifestyle, the way they treat others, the way they worship God, everything should be unique. And so that's why God said, do not try to worship me how they, other, God, other people worship their pagan gods. You know, so Israel has another big responsibility of reflecting God's nature, God's likeness god's image by following this law otherwise they cannot so god delivered them from the house of uh, slavery from egypt and brought them here and when they were in the house of slavery god actually literally mothered them or fathered them you know like hen was uh, uh, hatching eggs this imagery i like so much god waited for 400 years you know 400 years and when they became numerous the right time when came and God delivered them from the hands of Pharaoh. And now, this generation, this people, there is nothing good to say that because of this, God has chosen you. No. That's what we will be seeing in Deuteronomy. What reason why God chose them? There is no reason. Out of God's grace, Kesed, God chose them and called them. And now, God, before God introducing them to World, and here God is training them and and molding them, you know, shaping them like like a potter shapes clay in that place at foot of Mount Sinai. They lived there two years, and there God gave about instruction about tabernacle, and uh, they pitched tabernacle, and um, uh, and God came down, dwelt among them. That imagery John takes. He tabernacled among us. He came down and dwelt among us, you know. Um, so this, all those things happen and they move from that place to Kadesh Barnea, and there people say, let us go and look, uh, spy the land. Okay. Then Moses sends 12 people, only 2 people came with positive response, another 10 people came. When they told about how people looked, how the place looked, these people terrified. Imagine when this happens, God already defeated one of the powerful nation and the king. Pharaoh, Egyptians, and they were highly civilized people and highly cultured. They were one of the superpowers in that time. God defeated them just like that. And he literally begged them to leave. And in front of their eyes, they, uh, God opened Red Sea. And first in Exodus chapter uh, 17, you will see first victory against Amalekites. And then, so they have seen many God's provisions, God's protections, God fighting for them. In spite of seeing all those things. And hear people expressing their lack of uh, their ability to trust God. These people know they will defeat us. That is why God gets angry and uh, talking to Moses how long I will wrestle with these people. After seeing all my miracles and wonders still these people are not able to trust me. They don't deserve to receive my Uh, enter into the promised world so God turns them away imagine when he got when people worshipped calf he did not uh, however God intended to destroy them but Moses interceded and God okay let them so many things they tested God and they um, uh, grumbled against Moses leadership even they opposed Moses God let them. Okay, it's okay, God. If Moses intercedes for them and God knows, okay, these people are like that, still he allowed them. The moment when they express their disbelief or their their, uh, um, uh, lack of their ability, I would say, to trust God, when they refuse to trust God, God cannot bear that. There is nothing, no bigger sin than that. That disbelief is addressed in the New Testament. Sin, and 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 whatever happened in in the, in the uh, uh, wilderness, Book of Numbers, and it had a long time uh, um, uh, in the sense. Often it it was recollected in the history of Israel. You would see Psalms about the experience. Psalm one hundred five, Psalm one hundred six, and Psalm uh, one thirty five. Even you will see those incidents will be repeated in Acts seven and Hebrews chapter three. And deuteronomy chapter 1 to 4 it all talks about the wilderness journey how these people were addressed like unbelief people faithless people and disobedient people who tested god the moment when they expressed their disbelief on god and god said that no they are not going to enter into this place take away again go back the way you came and they're going back even under punishment God was gracious to them. God protected them from uh, when Balak calls Balaam to uh, uh, prophesy and bring curse upon them. God did not allow anyone to curse them. They were under judgment of God. Still God protected. It shows God's loving kindness. You know, How how can God love these people? There is a movie called Fireproof. Have you seen? Fireproof. It's about marriage. I like this scene so much. And I could relate this scene and I've, you know, taken this as an example for many places. Father and son will have a conversation. Son wanted to leave wife and go. And uh, father would say, no, do certain things for 40 days. Do some, uh, you know, act of... Kindness or express your love through small, small things. One day your wife will surely would come. And he would take that uh, 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 example from his own life. What his mother did to him. So you would start doing it, buying flower, giving card and paying things. But his wife would never recognize that. And wife would think that he is trying to win her favor. So that she will not go for divorce and you will lose money. Misunderstanding. So there would be dispute between husband and wife. Father would encourage him to show love. At one point in the park, they both will be speaking and he will ask a question. The son will ask his father, How can I show love to the one who constantly rejecting me? See mark this word. How can I show love to the one who constantly rejecting me? When he asks this question, this father will go and lean on the cross. He will not answer. Son will ask, when they will be talking, there will be a place, cross will be there. And son will ask, how can I show my out? Oh, it's frustration. And uh, then his father will go and just lean on the cross. And he will understand. He will say, dad, I am not talking about it. Then he will say no. The same thing I apply here. How can God love people who are constantly trusting God and putting God in pain? And uh, and breaking God's own heart. But still God loved them. So, book of Numbers, highlighted by two things. Here, one thing is, people, constant failure of Israel people. Okay? Against God, disobeying God, testing God, and, and, and grumbling, not being grateful for God's provisions and God's protections. But here, another thing that dominates everything is, unloving, uh, sorry, loving kindness of God over the constant failure of Israel people. That's what Book of Numbers is all about. You will be having first, when book starts, one census. When book finishes, another census for two chapters that shows God, another nature of God, that God was with Israel and for Israel when they obey God, when they uh, listen to God's word and follow in his path, as well as God was uh, God was not for Israel and against Israel when they refused to trust God. And God said that, let them know that, what if I stand against, what is that I stand against them or not for them. And when everyone died, whoever came from Egypt about 20 years, when everyone died, a new generation now. So whoever left out, when the first census happened, they took census above 20 years or, or from 20 years onwards, who can fight in the battle. Whoever died, this people and whoever remaining now, new people, newborn people or who were 18 years, 19 years old. So now this people now became warriors, next generation. He chose God of generations. You know, God of generations. And now he is preparing them to enter into the promised land. When everyone died, God knows. Now everyone died, whoever came from Egypt. and Now the new generations, God is telling to Moses, take them now, lead them towards promised land. So east side of Jordan River, already a place conquered and occupied by uh, two and a half tribes and now in the in book of numbers if you see moses also lost his uh, opportunity to enter into the land why because moses also failed to trust the lord and it shows god is not god of partial god, okay so he's he'll never show favor to no matter what no matter how anointed i am no matter how many sermons i preach no matter how good big ministries I can do or walk around. Sin is sin. If I don't believe, I cannot receive, I cannot. That's why I say that without faith, you cannot please God. Understanding this. Without faith, you cannot please God. You may be holy. Okay? But you cannot please God. Moses, God said to Moses, you go, and speak to the people of a rock and you will bring water out of the rock but moses goes there and what he said must we bring water out of this rock in that anger he, d- he didn't know what to speak and he hit the rock i would fathers who listen online are here don't lose your temper and miss your promised land sometimes you know it's a Sometimes people with us will provoke to the core where we will lose our anointing and uh, when we come many times I have personally encountered with pastors and pastors why, when they come for counseling or talk to us leadership meeting they would say that um he preaches but he whatever the words he speaks or no it's like it's not um a worthy of those words are called to be a pastor. He stays like this, he speaks like this, he behaves like this. That pastor would say, You know why? Because she provokes me. You get my point? She provokes me to the point where I would behave like this. Wives, if you're listening online here, no, really, no matter how anointed your husband is, if you provoke, sometimes you tend to lose words, tend to react to the words that comes." So I'm not encouraging that, I'm not certifying that, we should not. At the same time, sometimes wife would be spiritual in a family and when husband provokes her, she would scream. And sometimes they will say that, no, my wife screams all the time. She yells at me, she yells at me. Why? Because frustrated. Testing to the patients, you know, pushing their limit. Moses himself, Moses, and Moses was a kind man, there is no man like Moses on earth. He himself loses temper. No, he's cool. Think of you and me. So husband and wife, let us help each other. Sometimes children will push parents to the limit where they'll be frustrated and, and screaming and or behave what they are not actually. And that would uh, uh, put them in lifetime regrets. So let God help us to guard our anointing uh, peace of mind at all times. That's why Paul writes, God, the peace that is in you, you know. Okay, so that is book of Numbers, where even Moses lost his opportunity to enter and God was God just and he said, you are not going to go because you did not trust me. That's it. He didn't say that you did big adultery, these and that. No, you did not trust me. So that is a big thing. Many times many family didn't, still now they are praying for miracle and not receiving that miracle. Why? At some point you disbelieved God out of frustration. You know, how this will happen? Will this happen? God said this happened. means it, yes, it is hap- yes, it will happen. That's it. And not seeing salvation in children's life. Why? Because often what confessing them, telling all negative uh, things upon them. And how will they be positive? How will they be a blessing? Our words matters. Must we bring water from this rock? Heath, And God said, you will bring water. And Moses failed in that. Yet God honors him. That he is a faithful man in the house of the Lord. There is no one like him. You know, okay. So now Deuteronomy. This man. And addressing a new generation. And the generation did not see. Red Sea departing and where people walked in it. This generation did not see whatever happens in Egypt, how God fought against the gods of Egypt and how God fought against Pharaoh and delivered this people. And this generation did not see how God provided manna and quail in the wilderness. Many of them were new people and those who were born during uh, the journey in the wilderness. So Moses is addressing now recollecting God's faithfulness over the unfaithfulness of uh, people. and understanding this, Paul writes in, uh, in his epistles, though we are unfaithful, and God is faithful to his promise, to his covenant and to himself." Okay? So now saying that, uh, let me uh, read book of Exodus. sorry, Deuteronomy. And Deuteronomy, it's a book of remembrance. Now, to keep um, Pentateuch, the first five books, the concept of first five books in mind. Genesis is about creation and election or choosing people, you know. And then Exodus about redemption. Leviticus about sanctification. Numbers about Wandering the book of book of remembrance. This is the con- content and the concept of each book. Genesis, first half is a creation. Second half is how God um, chose Abraham and that family through that family to fulfill the promise that he made in genesis three fifteen and then Exodus about how God re- redeems people from Egypt, Leviticus how God people can be holy in terms of relationship with God and relationship with people, and numbers wondering why they wonder because they disbelieved they did not trust God. And Deuteronomy is recollecting all those events, whatever happened. And book of Deuteronomy has a strong influence with the rest of all the books now, hereafter we'll see. And the historical books from Joshua till Kings were written from the perspective of or teaching uh, perspective of Deuteronomy. And and, um, uh, prophets reinterpreted, The event that happened in Israel, Southern Kingdom or Northern Kingdom, based on the Deuteronomic teaching. So we call in academic, theologically academic world, we call it a Deuteronomic history. The history that was we are next month, maybe the following month, we'll be seeing from Joshua to King. That history of Israel was interpreted or written from Deuteronomic perspective. If you what the Deuteronomic perspective, if you obey, you will be blessing. If you disobey. If you violate God's commandment, the curse will be coming. So that concept will be, again and again, it will be coming and we will see. Uh, so book of Deuteronomy has a strong introduction than any other books in the Pentateuch. The strong introduction about the concept of loving God. Okay, concept When Genesis starts off, just starts off plainly. In the beginning, God created heaven and earth. A movie we'll, I'm just taking example of movie. Doesn't mean that I watch a lot of movies, <laughs> no movies. <laughs> <laughs> huh? Sometimes I watch one movie for several months. <laughs> I'll eat, I'll start, that's it, it will close and go. <laughs> Again, next time when I you no know, like okay. So when hero is introduced in the movie, and as well as I also used to write uh, scripts and stories. So I just take you know <laughs> example from that. And when a hero is introduced in a movie, in a story, that some uh, 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 special features of the hero will be told first. If, you know, who is this hero? Maybe in the movie, if it's a fighting uh, movie, the, that uh, hero's strength will be shown. Or sometimes, that hero, how uh, weak that hero was and became a superhero, like for Spider-Man or Captain America, you know, how that first the hero was thin and very fragile and weak, and suddenly some superpower, okay. And sometimes, maybe Hercules, you say, about that hero, who was that hero? That hero was half god, half man. But our hero was just introduced, just like that. In the beginning, God created heaven and earth. Like that. Other uh, religious books, if you see their gods, sometimes, you know, there there is a big history about their gods. Suppose if you take Greek myths, and they have big history about the supreme god, Zeus. Okay, and... Uh, So, when it comes like that, if you see in that way, Genesis, it starts and afterwards the story explains how God is. But when Deuteronomy starts, it starts with the concept of loving God in spite of his own people's failure. Okay, So, have this in mind. After about 38 years of wandering in the wilderness, they resumed uh, their journey by a long detour around Edom. They camped at plains of Moab, awaiting final instructions to go and possess the land of promise. And uh, this term will come. Uh, go in. The term "go in" comes 35 times in Deuteronomy, and the land the Lord give you comes 34 times. It's again some in, the, in, in a biblical reading when we read this. If any repetition comes, that's something that author is trying to say you or say to the readers. Um, Implicitly, they just put this that stress on that, so go in, go in when it comes go in that's your action to go in and then the land that the Lord give you it says that the the Yahweh is the owner of the land, not you okay it's it's a gift for you so why the why God gives even laws commandments to take care of the land itself for example leviticus twenty five if you see the seasons when it talks about sabbatical year jubilee year. God said that you should leave the land for one year. Don't do anything. Don't walk on the land. Let the land have rest. You know, even for the land. That's why a Christian, a Christian, some of the Christian scholars comes with the environmental signs, You know, and uh, and our Christian responsibility to take care of the land. They take from these passages. And Jubilee year, when it comes, you cannot sell your land to anybody else away, apart from your tribe or outside of outsiders. Because the land is not yours, the land is mine. The Lord's selling. Leviticus chapter twenty-five, verse twenty-three. I guess the land is mine. The land is not yours. So the land, the Lord is. Yes, sorry, Yahweh is the owner of the land. That is why he says, when you obey, you can remain here. When you don't obey, I will chase you out. How the Lord chased Adam and Eve from the garden. Who was the owner of the garden? Yahweh. Same concept applies here. And all the days when you are living, you will be strangers and sojourners. Peter takes that concept and applies in this. We all are like strangers and sojourners while we were in the world. Who is the owner of the world now? God. You know, it, it, as it goes, the geographical area has become big. But the image of uh, God as the owner of garden, land, and the universe, you know, says. So, when God says, go and possess the land of promise. Moses also lost his chance to enter the land. The book of Deuteronomy is a record of Moses' farewell speech to the new generation before they entered the land of Canaan. Before they enter and conquer and occupy the land. So, before they go, Moses is addressing new generation, preparing them how they should be. How they should not be. Okay, um, the book as review of Israel's history and God's laws as they prepare to enter canon. People would be bored when they read Old Testament, especially Numbers and Deuteronomy, because one from Exodus chapter nineteen, you will be listening all the laws and commandments often. Even in Leviticus, the repetition of the law was there. Even in Numbers, repetition of law. And Deuteronomy, when it comes. Again, the same thing would be repeated. People would be thinking, why so many repetitions? Why again and again and again? Because now you understand, this one, again Moses is reinterpreting the law and giving its meaning to the new generation. It's not the same people that he explaining again and again. One generation totally gone. Now new generation do not know anything what happened Mount Sinai. They have never heard the voice of Yahweh thundering voice of Yahweh, people who said that please cover your, ask the Lord not to speak to us, you speak to us it's, you know these people never had that experience so Moses had to now speak to them, Moses had to now uh, reinterpret the Lord to the new generations and uh, 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 in a new context, okay these people though they were wandering in the wilderness, they were enjoying God's provisions you get my point they you know so like like growing up in in a very good atmosphere and now they are going to face the real challenge and re, uh, first point review and preparation of the covenant the first one two three chapters look backward Moses is telling Moses is telling what happened in Kadesh Barnea, yeah? and how they lost the opportunity to enter into the world, and Moses also shows in first two, one to three chapters how God was so loving and kind to them, and when these people constantly failed God, and this question, oh sorry, this words of Moses will be recollected again and again, again and again hereafter in the history of Israel, in Psalms, Psalmist. Talk, they sang songs about Yahweh's love, and the history how the Lord uh, brought them out of Egypt, based on these words of Moses from the Deuteronomy. Okay, so Deuteronomy was separately some, uh, handled by them, separate as a separate scroll, not as a part of this all these five books, separate scroll on Deuteronomy alone. So it was translated, it was uh, copied, and several copies were kept in. Uh, uh, king's palace and uh, kept in the tabernacle and temple so that the king will read, so that the people will be read. Okay? So this and then Moses had reviewed their 40 years of journey from Egypt to draw a lesson for the future. He taught them from their history how God blessed them when they obeyed and judged them when they disobeyed. There must be, this must be a lesson for them in the future. Then covenant set in the context of exhortation. Uh, That is chapter 4 to 26. The necessity to retire the law arose as the people who left Egypt died in the wilderness. The new generation needed to hear the law and be commanded by Moses to keep the law of the covenant. Moses said the Lord did not make this covenant with our fathers but with us, with all those of us alive here today. The reiteration of the covenant to this new generation is the reaffirmation of the covenant relationship between God and his people. Then again, uh, chapter 27 27 to 30, the call to choose the covenant ceremony. Here, Moses gives a call to Israelites where uh, all of our favorite chapters, Deuteronomy 28, and half of Deuteronomy 28 is one of the most fav- favorite chapters for all Christians. You know, not the rest of the part. <laughs> Only first part of <laughs> chapter 28. So here, what Moses does is, he calls the Israelites to, for the um, uh, loving obedience. It's a call for loving obedience. God asked him to do this, not to do this, and all the ceremonial law. And civil laws, social laws, not that just simply like, like a, how to say, um, tyrant, you know, a king that forces his subjects to do whatever he wants to do. He gives us a freedom. If you obey, he expresses his thoughts and his wish, how he wants his people to be. And the freedom is us. If you obey, you will. If you don't obey, he doesn't force us. So now Moses here explains all God's loving goodness and everything. How God uh, uh, wants them to be. And how God, Moses gives them call to loving obedience. If you obey the Lord's commandment, if you meditate His word, if you do everything in this, now whatever I'm going to say, it will happen to you. The choice is yours. Okay. Moses instructed the people that when they entered Canaan, six of the, um, the tribes must stand on Mount Gezim to read aloud all the blessings of God for obeying the law and the other six tribes to stand on the Mount Ebal to read the curse as of for disobeying the law. This is to make a lasting impression on the people that the privilege and blessings of life on the land depended on their choice of obedience or disobedience to the law of God. They cannot accuse God now. They cannot blame God. God said, if you do this, it will happen. If you don't do this, it will not happen. Then Moses' final exhortation and blessings. Now looking forward, before the death of Moses, he gave final exhortation to encourage them to walk in the way of God, reminding them of the blessings and hope in the in following God. Moses also saw the future. He knows that Whatever we say, somehow this generation will fail. When you fail, what will happen? And again, when, we, when, when the book ends, it doesn't end in judgment. Even at that point, God would again, in his, out of his grace, maybe Kesed, he would bring you back, restore you. He bring you back as he did with the second exodus. And that is what happened in prophetical books, in historical books. People recollected again those words of Moses and asked God to come and rescue them. And the Lord did as he said in Deuteronomy. Okay? So this is the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy brings the Pentateuch to a conclusion with this constant reminders of God's love and faithfulness. Despite his people's constant rebellion, but the final word is one of hope that God will ultimately prevail with his people. He will never give up on his people. Now, having said that, one of the main part in Deuteronomy is chapter 6, verse 4 and 5. Hear, O Israel, the Lord, our God, Yahweh is one. And this is most fundamental and powerful prayer in Israel, even now. I wanted to p- play that uh, song, uh, that video clip, and then I'll explain about it. I'll I'll first tell in Hebrew how it will come. That's a Hebrew song when a boy will sing. Shama Israel Adonai Elohenu Adonai Echad. Okay, this is that word in Hebrew. And, uh, yeah, you can I'll tell me. What's happening? Okay, that's it. This is Deuteronomy chapter six, verse four. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And in uh, in a theological uh, uh, platform, it's one of the most debatable uh, uh, translation. Or, you know, still when we just simply read, we will just bypass it and go. There is nothing. Okay, the Lord is one. That's it. But when you study this, when you translate word to word, it, there are different translations are there, but we stick to whatever is translated in uh, in our English Bible. Shama Israel, Hero O Israel. Uh, Adonai Helohenu is God, the Yahweh, our God, Adonai Echad, the Lord is one. So Yahweh is one. When we say Yahweh is one or one, uh, uh Adonai Hello Enu. When we say Yahweh is one, how do we understand? As a Christian, for them it's for people, Jewish people, the Lord is one. Uh, in one sense, there is no other God. Yahweh is one. Okay. And when we see historical books, we will be dealing that. When we say Yahweh is one, what we really mean, is that many Yahweh was there? get my point there were many Yahwehs were there because people in later people started to worship Yahweh and different different mountains and associated with Astaroth uh, with Yahweh you know it will be when we when we go to that point because uh, we will uh, we will uh, deal about it we'll see about it but now I can't just touch and go, because it will be like unturned stone. Okay, I'll leave you with confusion, so let me not go into it. But the translation, that part, is still now we scholars debate. Okay, why can't it be like this? And if it, each translation has its own theological implication, if I translate this, and it has a theological implication, and, uh, and fail to answer the other questions. Suppose, if I say the Yahweh is one in the sense of, there is no any other uh, Yahweh in the other part, then it is why. So whatever it is, the intention behind this, it talked about against polytheism. Polytheism, worshipping many gods. And they are going to enter into Canaan where they worship different, different gods and associating gods with uh, female gods. You know, now here God says that, you No, know, Yahweh is one. In one sense, against polytheism. Suppose if we take in other form, Yahweh is one in saying that this is, this is only, our God is one God. There is no any other Yahweh in anywhere else. That actually shows the central point or focal point of worshipping Yahweh. Where? You cannot worship God everywhere you want. You know, you cannot just go sacrifice. That is why God said, tabernacle, I am here. If you want to worship, come here. That's why wherever you are, you need to come to the tabernacle, to the temple of God, at least four times in a year, three times in a year. You go there and worship. And in the book of uh, Samuel... Uh, if you see that people started to worship in that place, that there would be verses will come. People started to worship in those places and people were offering sacrifices, Yahweh, in those mountains, you know. And God, that is what God did not want them to do. But eventually they did that uh, in the future and which prophets also, uh, uh, you know, uh, address that, okay. Now, this Shema Israel, Adonai, Echath, our Lord is one. Love the Lord, your God, with all your uh, strength, with, with, uh, Lord, with all your might. This word picked up by Jesus as a great commandment. So now the expectation in Deuteronomy is what? Two things. Love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. At the same time, love your neighbor as you love the Lord. That's a simple thing. What God expected from us from Deuteronomy. And when He said all the uh, laws and commandments, there is a ceremonial law which we do towards God. There is a civil and social laws which we did towards human. Uh, our one's own family. You will see chapter twenty-one. Uh, I think twenty to one's. Uh, responsibility to own family. Ta- chapter 22, how one should be to a fellow friend. And 23, 25, how uh, Israel has a brotherhood to a neighboring you know, uh, people, sojourners or foreigners. That, uh, that is what Micah addressed in his, prophet, in his uh, prophecy. Uh, saying that what the Lord is expecting more than you. Than to love the Lord and to do good to your fellow human being. This is what God expects. So Deuteronomy teaches us that the loving God wants us to love him with all that we have. Nefesh, there is a word nefesh which means soul, which translated as a soul. But actually the nefesh means it's it it the seat of our emotions, our life itself. And uh, mayodekha, that's the word mayod, mayodekha, which means all your might. It's translated as all your might, which means with all that you have, top to uh, bottom, we say to uh, I love you with every part of my body. You say, right? That is what God means. Love the Lord with every part of your body, with every cell in your body. So, that kind of deep love God expects us from us. My question is, are we loving the Lord as God expects? So now with this, we finish successfully Pentateuch and if there is any questions, you can ask me and we'll answer. And people, those who are online, you also can just type or ask. (coughs) Successfully finished before time. (laughs) No questions? Yes, but.
1: The the video. what's the need to significance of the chauffeur and the Is there a need for the Some people still use the or some
0: people Okay, if you ask me in New Testament context from that Jewish country and uh, first of all, they don't believe in New Testament. One thing is. And uh, some, if you, if you ask me in the churches, if they, some people they do in the churches just to follow uh, maybe huh? a tradition. Yeah, maybe tradition, what it said. You know, some people in India, we celebrate harvest festival. We don't do harvest there. In some part, in Bangalore, you see Bangalore, you cannot see a land just freely to walk. That much, you know, congested place, but still they celebrate harvest festival just to follow the traditions. And, uh, and blowing the horn, uh, it has a several meanings, okay, which you may be knowing or all knowing, several meanings in the Bible. But exactly following that with the prayer shawl, uh, maybe just from taking uh, uh, and the, the spiritual significance from the Old Testament and just to... Follow the practice. So whatever but we do, we express out of that action or from that uh, object, we exp- some significance is being expressed, being told. Okay, And uh, some uh, churches, for example, I'll tell you in India, some churches, They when they in worship, worship will be going on. How we have choir team, we will have uh, a group of uh, maybe adults or children, they will dance with tambourine. and one of my friends church they do it Assemblies of God church they do it they dance worship will be going on here quiet team everyone will be there there would be usually that pastor will choose from a youth group or from children they will their dance steps will be similar they practice for each dance different different steps the moment you enter you cannot just stand quiet you know why they just follow from the Old Testament They worship the Lord with Dancing and tambourines. I see in that way. Do <laughs> so you want to add up anything? pastor do that? Yes, pass, They used to worship on different mountains. Mm-hmm. Is there any? Oh. Yeah, that is there. Actually, that uh, we will be next uh, week. We will be dealing that introduction. Uh, sorry, when we see new, new introduction to New Testament, uh, next week we will be starting our. So there are many things happened during that 400 years. So now, who's Jesus is talking to Samaritans? So who's this Samaritan? That we will be talking when people say we worship Mount Lord, this mountain, and we. And this context happens after people come from exile. Okay. And it, it doesn't go with this one, where the Lord is one. Now the scenario is entirely different. When we come to New Testament, the scenario is entirely different. For example, maybe it would be just the introduction to the next class. You will never see Pharisees in Old Testament. You will never see Sadducees in Old Testament. You will never see Synagogues in Old Testament. And you will never see unclean spirit, evil spirit in Old Testament. Maybe one not two, that's it. But not frequently how Jesus in, in, encountered in the New Testament. But where are those concepts come, where are those things, you know, uh, um, uh, from where they have come from. But we do not, those things happened in the 400 years in between when people went to exile and came back, you know, and Samarians were, who who are the Samarians and who are the Jewish people. So when we talk about this, I will surely address that one. And you know, because these people will not associate with these people. Samarians have their own Pentateuch. That is different from what Jewish people have. But still they worshipped Yahweh. And these people also worshipped Yahweh. But they did not talk to each other. You know, these people purposely avoided them. That is why Jesus picked up Samarians when he was telling about loving God. Love your neighbor as you you, love yourself. He picked up uh, priests, Levites and then Samarians. These people, through that story, what he tries to say, these people become so religious so religious that they lose the relationship what the Lord expected love the Lord and love your fellow human being that is why he took he picked up Samarians whom they rejected but he came down and helped this man you you get my connection passes. here yeah there yes. but when Jesus the conversation between Jesus and the woman is entirely different scenario not connection to this Prophets addressed this one when we see prophetical books. We'll say they even took song that sang for Baal, God Baal. They took and they sang for Yahweh. You know, some of the Psalms we will see, and they took that song and applied that for Yahweh. Of course, God, He is the creator of all. You know, whatever Baal was described, they applied for Yahweh in that context, to praise Yahweh, not your God, see our God is like this, you know, Psalms 18, Baal was rain God, positive water force, so he travels in cloud, having uh, lightning in his hand, the same imagery applied for Yahweh in Psalms 18, he comes in cloud to rescue me, you'll never see that imagery anywhere else in that place, where God himself did not say that I come in clouds. Until New Testament, we say a cloud. He went on up on cloud. Uh, That too not up on cloud. The cloud came and hid. You know their eyes. So like that. Uh. The
1: difference the relationship. Uh, Today you mentioned that uh, um, God emphasized that all the land is mine. I am the owner of the land. And uh, But in the New Testament, Jesus said, but the prince of this world has nothing to do with me. And also when, he, when Jesus uh, fasted for 40 days and the uh, devil came to test him, uh, he said, I will give you everything, everything belongs to me. So all that, you know, ambiguity, it's God's land, mm-hmm. but how devil can possess everything and sort of distribute all the goodness of God.
0: Okay. So when we say in this context, uh, Leviticus chapter 25 verse 23, when the Lord says the land is mine, he talks about that the Lord, the land whom he is going to promise to the Israelite people. Okay? That land is mine. You cannot sell to anybody and you cannot have oh, your own, someone's land for you forever and ever. At some point you have to give because the land is mine. You, are, you don't have ownership. That is saying that for that context, for that particular, uh, the promised land, what he promised to this one. So we should understand that context, uh, that was in that uh, context of the Lord is owner of the land. When it comes here, the prince of this land or when Jesus says, the Saturn comes and says, we cannot understand that with this word. Of course, the Lord is a, he is a God of the whole universe. If this, is, if this land is God's, then why God, Jesus teaches us, let your kingdom come. When sin entered, human lost his ownership. You get my point? God gave this earth to Adam and Eve to rule over everything. Okay? When he sinned, Adam and Eve sinned, they lost the ownership. They lost it. Now God came to rescue everything and to restore everything. When he died and rose again, that's a divine victory. Now we are again going back towards the original, how it was. That's why He lets your kingdom come. So now his kingdom come partially through the church. When his whole kingdom comes, once for all, final, second coming, when the, his government will be established, Everything will be his. You get? You get uh, yeah. Yeah. Mm. So here when God says that the land is mine, I am the owner of the land, the particular land, in that land you have to live, however I am asking you to live. That is again your choice. If you obey, I will give. If you don't obey, I will chase you out. But when it comes to New Testament, it is we are, no, no more uh, promised land. Since of course they are in the promised land, the land that was given to them, but that is talking about between um, a kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven and kingdom of evil. Darkness. Yeah. Yeah, no one. Okay. It's not only asking questions even, one of us also can answer, can add up answer to my point. Not that everything we know. Okay, yeah. Anything else? Just
1: a general question. No problem, ask me. Uh, we're talking about Genesis. God knew everything. He knew that devil is in that land. He he actually, Jesus said, I saw how devil was cast away in in, in that world, you know, in that earth, planet Earth. So why God created us in the same planet? <laughs> we have to fight all the time, devil. We have all the time with mean, What is your opinion about that? Because, you know, we have so many planets around. He created some
0: free planet for us to live with without any okay. I recently again answer to your question. I recently just started watching on movie me with children. Ella Enchanted that movie name is Ella Enchanted It's a children movie. Where a child will be gifted by one of the fairy gift of obedience. So whatever whomever said that girl will do If the girl comes, that anybody says, please go take that one, come, whomever it is, she will obey. God did not create us like that. My first question is, um, answer to your question. Why did God create us to this place and in this way, so that we can live a sinless life? Okay, we can live without enemy. So why God put us here, where the enemy is there? Okay, that's your question. So now, all-knowing God, this is the basic question that everyone would get. If God knows everything, why should God, you know, create a human being? Or why should God leave keep that uh, tree in that place? Genesis 1-11, I already explained how we can understand, how we should understand that 1-11 is. When we go to heaven, we will get to know everything. How really, how really the world is created, how because many questions we cannot answer i again i'm telling i completely believe what is said in this bible whatever it is written i don't read in between you know the lines or guess coming up with uh, with with my opinions so it's written in the world is created in seven days it is seven days how we can understand that seven days is different thing how we can uh, The uh, light comes before sun. We just try to understand all those things. But when we go to heaven, we really maybe get to know everything. But to your questions, why God put us here? We should first understand that one to eleven in that ancient Near East religious context. How the world? Everyone is telling the world came to be like this, like this. Now Hebrew man tells the world came to be like this. You know the world. How this is how our God created this world. And God created us in this place to put us here, maybe to fill the to 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 fill the place of whatever the fallen angels or whatever uh, you know whoever came fall down here and who opposed God uh, with their uh, uh, evil motive. Maybe God wants to fill us with that place with the people, those who love Him unconditionally. You know. And he is challenging God. Maybe we'll understand in this context. I know he has fallen down here. Maybe you know um, uh, in in that in that uh, battle between good and evil. You know, and God put us here maybe to challenge. i maybe we understand in that challenge that evil force. How God used maybe Job to challenge devil. Satan that, no, he is, he, is my, he is a righteous one. And you will always stand for me, no matter what happens. You know, maybe, understand that context. We put us here to challenge. To prove our unconditional love. To obey him. So that we will win him. Where human utterly failed in that. Where God ultimately he has to come. He knows everything, of course. He knows everything. But at the same time, the choice is ours. Whether I am going to be God's side to to overcome evil one by loving him, by obeying him. That's what Jesus says in Revelation. Those who overcome, I'll give them new name. One who overcomes will be at my right hand. Always, one who overcomes, you know. Maybe in the same place, put the tension to overcome the evil one. And to show that the Lord is, you know, to maybe honouring God, but again, we are not here with that gift of obedience, where to obey everything and to win the win Satan, you know, to defeat him. God has given us choice of freedom. To obey the Lord, defeating evil one by obeying the Lord. You know, but actually, this is the answer to your question. But I cannot, um, in the sense, um, um, understand in 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 a point of where to say, how to say, like, um, it's not that fight tension between God did not create us, uh, you know, put the tension between us and the evil one. Okay, I cannot answer to, you know, to questions. Yeah, yeah, so just... Mm, Yeah, so that creation is, we should understand the ancient Near East context, this one. But we have a higher responsibility by defeating the evil one, by obeying the Lord. And that's what Christ did on the cross of Calvary. Even to the point of death, he obeyed. Because of his obedience, through the death, he defeated the evil one. Okay, the same image now we follow. Now we are in the same world where the evil one is here. And through the obedience, we will defeat him and honouring God. Yeah. Yeah. That's it? Yeah. Okay. So, did I answer your question? Okay. Okay. So let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you, Lord, for your grace and your love that we learned from the Book of Pentateuch. Your loving-kindness beyond, Lord, we could measure or imagine, Lord. And the same love was revealed on the cross of Calvary. And thank you, Lord, for showing your love over us, over this insignificant people. And now, O oh Lord, we also learn what you expect from us to love you unconditionally and to express your love to a fellow human being. Help us to be your representatives, your ambassadors, your royal priesthood in your chosen people and holy nation, wherever we are. Deepen our thoughts and our minds and our understanding of your word. In Jesus' name,
1: Amen.